Welcome to MLR Kickoff, Episode 10, with your hosts, Dan Power and Pete Steinberg. Pete, a very, very good evening. It's quite late here in Colorado when we're recording, but a good evening to you, and what a show we have lined up. Who said anything about the off-season being quiet? It's a bumper show, but how have you been, my friend? How has the past two weeks treated you? I've, I've been great. I uh, finished a couple of weeks of pretty heavy travel and enjoying this week staying at home and I'm refereeing this weekend. So looking forward to getting back on the pitch with the whistle, doing a D4 men's team. Um, I hope I can keep up in the altitude that we have here in Colorado. Oh, you have to let me know. I'll bring a comfy chair and a megaphone and just give you, uh, you know, relative feedback as we go through. Now, normally we go through our travel tip and uh, you've always taken the reins on that one, but I just got back from doing the Rugby America's North qualifiers for the Hong Kong Sevens down in Barbados, and I saw a pretty unique travel thing that uh, I'd never seen before. Lady left her handbag on the runway, on the jetway uh, in Barbados, and didn't realize until she got, we landed in uh, Fort Lauderdale, her passport was in it. So she checked in, walked through the last bit of security, put her handbag down, was distracted, left it there. And didn't realize until they got to the uh, immigration and customs in Fort Lauderdale. And I, I tell you what, I had a little bit of sympathy for it. So, folks, when you're traveling, check your license, passport, boarding pass. Keep it all locked in in one place. And uh, don't be like that poor lady and her husband who spent uh, two and a half hours waiting for another flight to come in with her handbag on it. So. Well, it's it's funny, Dan. Um, we I had an experience with the Penn State women when we went on tour to France, and a woman, um, there was no jetway. We boarded the jet, one of our players, in Newark, flew to Paris, and on the plane lost her passport. And so I think spent about four or five hours in French immigration. So... Um, yeah, that's something that you can't be absent-minded about, and uh, um, especially in the modern world, you've got to make sure you have your passport with you. Always, always. Now, it was an absolute massive week, Mr. Steinberg, in Major League Rugby World. We had some big announcements dropped this week, none bigger than the uh, two teams who will be joining in 2020. I'm talking about the New England Free Jacks, which uh, if you check with Google, uh, what is a free jack went uh, through the roof in searches on Google after that <laughs> announcement. And the Atlanta mystery team yet to be named. I saw they were going to do some fan engagement for the naming of the new Atlanta team. So we have a team in Boston or the Boston area, and we have a team in Atlanta. Pete, your thoughts on those? Well, I mean, I think this is natural. So um, I think the expansion to the east of the U.S. is is good. Boston has an amazing rugby pedigree. There are so many rugby clubs up in New England that can support that team, both in terms of players and in terms of um, fans. I think that makes a lot of sense. And Atlanta, for you know, um, for those of us that that haven't been down there and and seen the rugby down there, has always been a rugby hotbed. But not just with life with rugby clubs that are down there. I think they both make a lot of sense as the league looks to expand its reach. Yeah, I like the move into Atlanta. I think Boston was always going to happen eventually. You know, like you said, it creates that rivalry up there as well because you've got uh, New York now. You add Boston, it's just uh, it's a match made in heaven. You look at some of the greatest sports rivalries between the two cities. You've got the Yankees and the Red Sox, the Giants and the Patriots, 
Tom Brady and correctly inflated footballs. You know, there's some great rivalries <laughs> right there. And now you add in the new Jacks and Rooney. They'll be battling out in 2020. And speaking of Rooney, they were joined this week by the worst kept secret in American rugby, and that was the Ontario Arrows. Now officially part of Major League Rugby for next year. Bill Webb and his crew up there have uh, got everything lined up and ready to go. And we now have a Canadian franchise in Major League Rugby. What do you think about that one? Well, I mean, I think it's really, really exciting for this to become a cross-border competition. I think it took a a long time to get the paperwork sorted out because getting players to and from and teams to and from um, Canada, I think, is um, not obviously not as easy as keeping it within the U.S. But the Ontario Arrow organization, I mean, they've been around for a couple of years. They're they're really um, well organized. I think they're well supported. Uh, in Toronto, they have the Wolfpack, which is actually a rugby league team that plays in the English league that is very well supported. And I expect Ontario um, to be a very, very strong team uh, when they come in in 2019. In fact, Ontario and Rooney, the two expansion teams, might come in as the two favorite teams in 2019. Yeah, we talked about that last time, uh, Rooney you know, quietly going about their business in New York, getting ready. And, uh, you know, we mentioned this man, James English, as the new general manager, and you had a chance to catch up with Mr. English this week and go in depth to Rooney and what's going on out in the great city of New York. Okay, so James English from Rugby United New York, thank you for joining us on the Major League Rugby Kickoff podcast. Thanks for having me. Well, um, you know, for those of you that don't know, this is going to be our second go. I was with my daughter at the park and the reception wasn't good enough. So I appreciate James's patience with this. But James, we, we in, in our first go around, we talked a little bit about the fashion show that you went to two weeks ago, which prevented you being on our first podcast. Talk a little bit about that. <laughs> yeah, we uh, we were very fortunate to be invited to uh, Laureus Sport Fashion Show here in New York during uh, New York Fashion Week. Um, Laureus is a, a foundation that does a lot of uh, uses sport for good in the community, and um, they had some of the biggest sports names. Uh, Carl Lewis was there, uh, among many others, and obviously rubbing shoulders with uh, our very own Seamus Kelly, who was invited to walk the runway, um, and he, he did a fantastic job. Looked very comfortable as well. So, you know, those of us that know James know that we, we could probably talk fashion for the whole 10 minutes of this segment. But let's let's talk about um, Seamus Kelly. He's one of the big names that Rooney have signed over the last couple of weeks. And you have a number of big names that have come out. Um, Dylan Fawcett has come back. Obviously, Ben Foden from the uh, um, uh, from Northampton Saints and um, formerly of England. Lots of big names coming out for Rooney. Talk a little bit, James, about how you think about building the pool for Rooney's inaugural season? Yeah, so we're, we're very fortunate. Um, New York and, and the tri-state area has a, a very strong rugby community, a very strong rugby tradition. Um, there's the obvious kind of D1 clubs that, that everyone will recognise. Um, but then we've got our, our D2, D3 uh, men's all down to ways of social um, and, and women's as well that's extremely strong. So uh, I, I think that we, we talked a lot about this idea of, uh, of building the club, um, not just buying. Um, and, and it really starts here at home for us uh, with the community. 
we've done two or three development camps and combines where we've identified some local talent lower down the leagues, um, some guys who are coming out of local colleges as well. Uh, and then we've really uh, taken a bit, uh, kind of a, a bit of experience and expertise from overseas um, and added so that we have a good depth in the squad. Um, but what you'll see is that our New York squad will definitely uh, reflect New York City as a whole. Um, it, you know, it is diverse, it is eclectic, uh, but there'll certainly be a very American New York backbone. So, you know, you recently signed um, Cathal Marshall, the former U20 Irish international, and there's been a lot of talk in the Irish press about the relationship between Irish rugby and Major League Rugby, and in particular with Rooney. Can you talk a little bit about sort of both the formal and informal relationship that Rooney has with people within Irish rugby and how that helps you recruit? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, our founder, uh, James Kennedy, um, is Irish. He's, uh, he's from Limerick. And um, we've got Dave Gannon, who's going to be, who actually played out here. He's going to be one of our assistant coaches this year, um, plus a, a few players who have been based in New York anyway. There's, there's absolutely an Irish twist to the team. Um, but you've got to remember, you know, there's, there's 34 million um, Americans who celebrate their Irish uh, ancestry here. And 400,000 of those are actually in New York itself. So there's a, a huge expat Irish market here in New York. And those links between New York and Ireland are, uh, are very prevalent. Even if you, if you walk down the streets of New York, you'll see uh, a lot of Irish bars and a lot of Irish influence around that. Um, more formally... Uh, we've just sent kind of David Gannon has been spent a bit of time with Munster. Um, we've uh, had a lot of conversations with Connacht Rugby about what we can learn there. Um, they, they did an amazing job of, of really turning rugby around in the west of Ireland um, and developing a real rugby culture where there wasn't one. Uh, and I think for us, it's, a really, it's really about kind of speaking to as many people as we can. And we haven't just kept it in, in, into that Irish market as well. You know, L London Irish with Declan Kidney, and we've been speaking a lot to Wasps about the, the, success, the success they've had. Uh, Mike Tolkien, our head coach, is going out to visit Glasgow in the next month or so. Um, we've been talking a lot with Western Force about the challenges they've recently had in Super Rugby. Um, and also, on a smaller level, Hong Kong Rugby Union and how they've developed a real large rugby community in such a, a small but heavy expat area. So I think for us, it's... You know, we'll make our own mistakes along the way, but it's really about what we can learn from some of the uh, bigger rugby institutions and organisations. But, the, you know, we, we do have an Irish, uh, there is an Irish team running through the team. And, um, but, uh, it, you know, it's not just uh, exclusively Irish. So, you know, some of the other news about international connections this past week has been um, building relationships with um, French rugby. Major League Rugby has developed a formal relationship with the, French league, but there's been some word about um, uh, some French expertise making its way to Rooney. Can you give us any update on that? Yeah, we had a um, we've we've got a, a new investor. His name's uh, Pierre Arnaud. Um, Pierre was the uh, CEO of Stade Francais for seven seasons. Um, he moved on away from that uh, a couple of seasons ago, but he brings a huge amount of experience and expertise. Um, he'll be coming as our, as our CEO, and he'll be a fantastic sounding board for us. Um, we're always learning. We're finding new ways of doing things, and, uh, and and Pierre's experience will be will be huge for us, and um, and really kind of hopefully raise um, raise us organisationally to another level. So we're really excited to have Pierre involved. Yeah, and it's it's this interest of um, overseas rugby 
people in USA rugby and Major League Rugby in, in particular that I think is really interesting to me. I, um, I think people are seeing this as, as a place of real potential. So when you reach out to whether it's Pierre or to sort of Wafts or to Connor, um, what's their reaction when you're talking to them? And, um, you know, what, what are they looking to get out of the relationship from their side? Well, the, 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 future, the first thing is a lot of questions. Uh, I think there's a lot of curiosity about what's going on over here. Um, people see and read a lot and they see the likes of uh, Ben Foden coming over and, uh, and they make their own conclusions without necessarily knowing exactly what the league is really about and what stage we're really at and where our development is. Um, so there's definitely a lot of curiosity, um, but a lot of excitement as well. And I think a lot of, uh, a lot of the unions and um, I think there's been some investment in some clubs already uh, through major clubs in Europe um, because there is an excitement there and there's an element of the unknown. No one really knows abroad whether or not this is going to be a huge success. Obviously, we're hugely optimistic over here and we're, uh, we're you know, things are improving and growing and expanding all the time. But um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a huge amount of interest and, and rightly so. So, you know, we're, we're in September. Um, the uh, new league is um, kicking off in 2019. Um, you will not be the only East Coast team as the Ontario Arrows have also been announced as playing in 2019. And then, of course, um, Atlanta and Boston being added for 2020. So lots of excitement. As you prepare for 2019, um, what's your schedule? When do you guys get going? When does the, the team get together? What, you know, what are your plans for your preseason? We'll be, we'll be getting together. We'll be starting um, in the second week of November, our official preseason. Uh, there may be some, some kind of gatherings before that where we can bring the guys together. And obviously the coaches, we've got a world-class coaching team and they're already working together to uh, put it, you know, get our plans and um, get things up and running so we can um, have, a, have a really positive start. But we'll be, the, the team will be getting together mid-November. Uh, we'll be playing uh, Boston in the first uh, uh, first weekend of December away, which would be great. Um, we're really excited about Boston, uh, New England Free Jacks, as they're, they're known, uh, entering the league. So we'll be playing them early. We'll also be playing two other preseason games, one before Christmas. Uh, there'll be a Christmas, a short Christmas break, and we'll be playing another game uh, sh shortly after Christmas as we prepare for our uh, our first game which we assume will be uh, the third week of January although the schedule hasn't been completely confirmed yet from MLR and obviously the the weather in January and February and maybe even March in New York is not great what's your what what do you guys have in terms of training facilities and the ability to, to prepare when there's two or three feet of snow on the ground we've got a we've got a few shovels uh, we've invested <laughs> we've invested early uh, we're not we're not we're not scared to uh, get a sweat going and uh, and and get a bit of manual labour in there. It's good for preseason. But no, we uh, we have a an outdoor facility which is great. Um, that that's turf as well, which gives us a bit of flexibility. Uh, obviously, anyone who's been into New York or the tri-state area knows that the uh, resources is is a challenge. Um, and facilities in particular, uh, that we do have a couple of indoor facilities that are, that are available for us to use. Um, but look, predominantly we're going to be outside. We're going to be embracing it. It's New York. Um, yes, it'll be cold, uh, but we, you know it'll, it'll build character and um, and it'll toughen the lads up a little bit. Said like the general manager that sits in the office while everyone is outside. <laughs> um, and now there's, there were some different models by different teams last year in terms of their training. 
one was sort of you know what what you might call um you know uh semi-professional plus which is sort of training the evenings for some of their part-time guys and and that was really when training was and there was a little bit extra for full-time guys and then there were other models where it was sort of basically a full-time schedule if you guys worked out exactly what your training schedule will be and how you'll manage sort of the full-time and part-time guys yeah we know we know where we're going to be at the moment we're um ours will be that's kind of semi-professional plus new york is a slightly different model it's an expensive place to live we're very fortunate to have a few uh, a few guys here with, with with really good jobs who um with with a, ma- a huge amount of rugby experience uh, u.s eagles um uh, like nate brakeley like seamus kelly like Hugh, luke hume uh, mike petrie guys who uh have been based in new york for quite a while and um, but, but you know, it's it's very hard for us to to go straight into a full time model here with with the salary cap and and what we can pay players uh, to give them a, a, a very reasonable standard of living. So uh, our full time will will be reasonably split. Our full time players will do S and C in the morning and, and the skill block. Um, they'll have the afternoons off, but they'll work on a outreach rotation. We see the community as such a massive part of our success, and those full time players will work through and. And, and, and go out to schools and, and their youth programs uh, and some of the college programs as well. Uh, and then our team sessions will be predominantly in the evenings as well. So, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday evenings, Wednesday be our off day um, and Friday our kind of uh, preparation day, depending right. on travel. Well, James, I, I appreciate the time that, that, that you've given us today. I, I will note that on our last podcast in our very, very early prediction um, segment, um, I predicted uh, Rooney to be uh, the champions in 2019. I think you're developing really a, a, one of the strongest squads we've already, you know, that we've heard of. I think that, like you've said, New York is a destination. I mean, the rumors of Freddie Michelak coming to MLR and, um, of course, New York, uh, probably with Pierre's influence is, is a place, but I think it's going to be one of those places where people will want to come and, uh, you know, we're excited to follow you in the future. For those people that are in the tri-state area and want to get tickets and, and follow, um, you know, the team, uh, where should they go to get that information? Yeah, visit our website. Um, as I said earlier, there's obviously we're still waiting uh, for the MLR uh, final schedule to be released. So there's a little bit of a hold up on that. Uh, you, you can put a, a season ticket um a season ticket deposit down on our website, rugbyunitedny.com. Um, also on our social media as well. So uh, check out our social media on uh, Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. And you can keep uh, abreast of all the news and events that we have coming up in, uh, in the near future. Well, thank you very much, James. And good luck with your preparations for 2019. Thanks. Thank you very much for your time. Look forward to it. I have a lot of time for James. Um, I work with him in the age grade program, and I think he's going to be great. But I'm not sure, Dan, that we've heard the last of expansion. I mean, nine teams next year makes a ton of sense. It's a um, uh, it's a it's going to be a 16 um, game season, eight home games, eight away games. Everyone playing twice. Um, are they going to go with 11 teams potentially? Um, and uh, then it would be a 10-game season that expand it even more. But I, I feel like we 2020 isn't done yet, and there are still some teams out there that might be added. Yeah, I think you might be right, Pete. I still think there's a lot to go, and it just it's exciting times, isn't it, really? You know, we, 
there's the threat of expanding too quickly, but rugby has such a strong foothold and such a thirst for this professional platform that, you know, this first year was so successful on so many levels that now a lot of people who were sitting back and just waiting to see what happened really are excited about getting involved. And I think you're correct. We're going to see a little bit more over the next coming months in terms of cities getting involved and different groups getting involved. So there's still a couple of uh, key areas in the country that, you know, there haven't been much noise from that are traditional rugby heartland. So have to uh, get your maps out and try to figure out where those are, but uh, we'll make sure we get that going. But we'll talk a little bit about signings right now. And it was, again, a very big week with signings. One that really hit home for me, though, uh, you talked about Ontario coming in. It was the re-signing of Phil Mack to the Seattle Seawolves. And not surprising, Phil has a lot of stuff in British Columbia, so close to Seattle, but the lure of playing for a Canadian team, being a proud Canadian that Phil Mack is, must have been a, a pretty strong pull for him. But he stays in Seattle, hopefully relinquishing one of the C's next to his name, the coaching C, and keeps the captaincy maybe for next year. What are your thoughts on that one? Absolutely. I mean, I think that had to be done for Seattle. Phil um, was the heart and soul of that team. Um, I've heard that they do have a new head coach. Um, they've made the agreement, but have not yet made the announcement. And I think there'll need to be some sort of hands handoff and transition from Phil to the new coaching staff. But I think, you know, I think Phil... Um, is in the on the west coast. I think his uh, his partner is out there. I'm sure the pool of Ontario um, was going to be um, uh, uh, powerful, but I think the um, trying to repeat as champions. I, I'm not sure he could walk away from that team um, as easily. And I think one of the interesting things about Ontario joining the league, Dan, is the fact that Canadians don't will no longer count as foreign players. So I think we'll see actually more Canadians. Um, there were a few scattered about the U.S. teams, but I think we'll see more Canadians coming in um, and helping fill the depth gap that is going to happen as the league expands. Yeah, you add that to uh, you know New York putting Dylan Fawcett uh, pen to paper, one that we all anticipated was coming. Nate Brakeley, more recently, again, a guy who played for the New York Athletic Club and uh, for Rooney in their exhibition match, no surprise. The big one coming down through the week, though, in terms of acquisition and player signings came out of uh, an unexpected place, Pete, and that came out of uh, Uruguay. 15 national players will be scattered amongst the Major League Rugby teams next year out of Uruguay as they look to build their uh, 2019 World Cup campaign. And, uh, you know, I called quite a bit of the Uruguay games in the um, American Rugby Championship the last two years. And there's some quality players coming in. Anyone in particular that caught your eye that's coming up here? Well, I think um, uh, there are a number of players from Uruguay that are coming up. And I think that um, Andres uh, Villaseca has already signed with Austin. And I think he's going to be um, a really uh, interesting player. In fact, I think what we'll see is over the next week or so, probably the top five or six Uruguayan players the players that are the real stars domestically, they've all been on central contracts. So the goal for Uruguay is to get the whole of their squad professional. They're taking their top 15 players that have, that, that have been in central con contracts, moving them to the MLR, and then taking their next 15 and putting them on central contracts. I think what you'll see is the top five or six very quickly will get snapped up by MLR teams. 
and then it will slow down a little bit and the Uruguayans will get selected as the teams look to fill the holes that they have. Um, and I think that um, that'll be the way it works for the Uruguayan um, teams. But very exciting for Uruguay. I think it's exciting for Major League Rugby because we've talked about these new teams and where the depth is going to come from. And I think our partners um, in the Americas is a great place to start. Well, the one that really came across my desk that excited me was the young scrum half, Arada. Now, he will go to the Houston Sabercats who are screaming for a nine. They do have Connor Murphy there who had a bit of a uh, Katy Perry year, a little hot and cold, but this will add a spark. He is one of the most exciting youngsters coming out of uh, South America. He's also a very, very hard-edged. He had a lot of niggle. I don't remember a few years ago. I'm sorry, I don't recall. If you remember a few years ago against Canada, him and Ray Barkwell, had a running battle, a hooker versus a scrum half. And you played a bit of scrum half, so you you understand the the mental aspect that the scrum half has. But him and Ray Barkwell got at it 15 minutes straight, and Derek Summers was the referee. And uh, poor Derek, he was digging in his sock looking for a Xanax. Uh, he was just in all sorts. He just couldn't get his head around it. But that'll be a really big pickup for the Houston Sabercats who needed some depth at nine and really have – Competition for Connor Murphy now, who will uh, be in, in a real battle there with uh, Arado to keep his number nine spot. But the big news that came in, and it just came in hot off the presses too, so I'm not sure if this is uh, a worldwide exclusive, but uh, you know, our, our tentacles run deep in the underworld of Major League Rugby, and it's just come across the desk here that Hunko Hermeses, one of the players of the year, has left the Austin elite, and is now a free agent. There's been no talk of him signing with another team. He is a free agent, whether that means he'll stay in the US or there's something overseas awaiting for him. He has the APC coming up shortly, but that is a huge loss for the Austin elite, one of the most uh, exciting young players in Major League Rugby. If Hunko has left Austin, which it appears to be 100% true now he has, where do you see him landing, Pete? Wow. I mean, I think so. Hunko is just such a dynamic player. The knock against him has always been his size. So when he played with the U.S. age grade programs, they actually projected him as a hooker because he's probably not quite tall enough to really be an elite back row player, or at least that's what the thinking was. But I'm not so sure having seen him in Major League Rugby. I think that, you know, I obviously Major League Rugby teams will be interested in him, but I I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him head overseas. Um, and I think, uh, um, I think that, you know, that's probably a pretty good step step for him. I think, um, you know, he was a standout for Austin at such a young age that probably he needs to be tested and he needs to go somewhere where his place is in jeopardy and he has to work. So that's really interesting news. And, uh, um, you know, I think we're going to see this a little bit more. We've also seen, you know, Cam Dolan is signing um, with Nottingham in uh, the championship in the UK, joining uh, um, Paul Mullen, who's at Newcastle on a short-term contract. I think we're going to see more and more of this movement, and it excites me. It, you know, it makes Major League Rugby a, a real professional league. You get to follow these players just like you would in any of the other pro leagues in the U.S. Well, I'm really glad you brought up the Cam Dolan to Nottingham and the Mullen. Do you think that's going to be something we see a little bit more moving forward? These 
players as the the major league rugby calendar as we look at expansion it's going to lengthen the calendar their downtime their off season is going to get shorter and shorter these short-term contracts these injury jokers that we see do you think this could be a, a realistic 12 months earning window for these players now to say you know what I'm going to take a three, four-month deal as Dolan and Mullen have done. And who knows, maybe Hunko is doing the same thing. And, you know, make the money and you always run the risk of injury, but, you know, that could happen anywhere. It's a contact sport. And then come back and play the Major League Rugby season. I mean, I think that these players can can do that. I think if you look at how the schedule is working out, I don't think Major League Rugby is going to move any earlier than their projected start of the late January. I think they're going to get caught up with football. I think they like the window that they're in. So I think that players playing from September through January or you know through December, um, they can still get, they'll still get their time off in the summer, just like the professional players do overseas. So I can definitely see it as being an option. What will be interesting is, is if um, players like uh, Paul Mullen, and Cam Dolan end up extending those contracts. So I, I absolutely see teams looking for short-term um, injury help at Major League Rugby players, getting them for three months, getting them to cover while players come back from injury. But what if they do well? They can certainly right now earn more money in the championship um, in England than they probably could um, in Major League Rugby, except for maybe the very top players. So it'll be interesting to see how that works. But I think we'll see more and more, and I think it'll be good for them. Um, they'll come back, they'll be battle-hardened, and they'll raise the level of play. You talk about those short-term. There are a couple of players from MLR this year on longer-term deals, mainly Paula CK and Bryce Campbell. How did they do over the weekend? Well, you know, um, I... I did a little bit of research, went back and looked at all the Major League Rugby players. And, and so Paula CK has actually come off the bench in all four games for the Harlequins. Um, uh, I think the most he's played is 32 minutes, but it's good to see him getting time. They obviously, obviously see him as an impact player off the bench. He didn't make a great impact, though, coming on against Bristol as the Harlequins lost. And in the last minute, he actually got a yellow card. And it looks like he's playing behind a pretty settled centre partnership in um, uh, Ben, ben um, Tapue, and uh, no, he's an Australian. You might be able to help me out with that. And Joe Marchant, and those guys have started every game. So I think that's just a case for Paul biding his time and looking to see when he gets the opportunity. Um, Bryce Campbell has uh, been has actually played every minute so far for London Irish. Started all three games. They are unbeaten. London Irish are the team that came down from the Premiership. They're probably the team that is most likely to go back um, back up. Uh, at least that's that's what it looks like. They're, they're third in the league right now, but that's only because they've um, only played three games. And the team above them is, um, the, um, is Ealing. And Ealing played Doncaster, and there were USA and MLR players all over the pitch in this. Um, ben Landry, who plays for Ealing, didn't feature in the first two games, but has started and played the whole game the last two. So that's actually really great for Ben to see he's making an impact. Um, Andrew um, Duratalo is also uh, in Ealing and came on. And across the other side, Kurt Morath was playing number 10, getting his second start for Doncaster. And then um, Nick Savita also was um, playing for Doncaster. So lots of connections there in that game for Major League Rugby 
and um, the USA Eagles. Well, I wouldn't want to be uh, writing Kurt Morass rugby resume. He's played more club than Johnny Cash. <laughs> it would take quite a patient man to write that resume. But it's good to see that is a battle of the MLR there, Landry and Morath and the Eagles. We did have Duratolo for a New York minute in San Diego. I'm not sure if you got on the field. but uh, And then, yeah, Nick Savetta doing well. As, uh, well, he's kind of bounced around a few clubs there. But that's uh, it's great for the game. I mean, there is some talk about the player drain affecting MLR, but I think it's a common theme across all leagues, Pete, the the player drain. And you see superstars come and superstars go. And I think they're starting to develop that pathway where someone's always going to step up and fill those shoes. And there's so many good young players coming through right now that uh, they just need an opportunity and MLR is going to provide that opportunity going forward. It's just exciting. It is. And every team is running a combine and, you know, there's lots of opportunities for players that, that want to be involved. There's scouting going on and there's academies being formed. I mean, I think what I like about the Uruguay agreement is it's providing players for the next two years because the the plan is in place for a professional league to start in South America. So then those 15 Uruguayan players will go back and that'll hopefully by then Major League Rugby would have um, and the major league rugby teams would have set up their pathways to go forward. But I'm, I see any player that goes o- overseas to play a higher level as being a benefit for major league rugby. I think it shows that we have good players here. Um, we're a couple of years away from being able to hold on players um, that can go to the championship. The championship at the top half of the championship, it's full time pro, but in the bottom half, it's basically semi professional. Um, and so I think Major League Rugby is only a couple of years away from actually being competitive with those sorts of teams at the second tier. So I think when that happens, we'll actually start seeing some players coming over to uh, the U.S. to play in Major League Rugby who aren't at their, you know, that aren't Ben Foden at the end of their career, but actually a young player who can make some money and sees it as a stepping stone two teams like, um, you know, sorry, two leagues like the Premiership. Couldn't agree with you more, Pete. Well, that's going to wrap it up for another show. We will be sure to keep our finger on the pulse that is Major League Rugby, though. A lot of news came your way this week. So take your time, enjoy it, digest it. And then, uh, Pete, where can they find the show? What do they need to like? What do they need to click on? Give me all your socials again. (laughs) Well, you know, if you want to subscribe, um, please, uh, you can find us on iTunes, you can find us on SoundCloud, um, and you can find us on Google Play. Please um, uh, subscribe and leave a review that helps us move us up. I um, saw on Reddit um, that someone didn't know that there was an official Major League Rugby podcast, so share um, in all of your social media and get the word out. I will. You've motivated me. I'm going to do it this week. This is the week. I'm going to become just like my friend Pete Steinberg, the social media. (laughs) All right, folks, that wraps it up for another week. When we get back, we'll obviously have plenty more to cover moving forward. We're going to get the uh, Deputy Commissioner, Nick Benson, on the show eventually. His travel schedule has made it quite difficult to pin him down recently, but we'll get him on. And we'll give everyone out there a heads up on the uh, social media so you can shoot in some questions that you have for Nick and we'll try to get through those in the upcoming shows here. So for my good friend Pete Steinberg, our producer Aaron Castro, I'm Dan Power saying goodbye until next time.